0: Welcome into Wildcat Country, your daily Kentucky podcast from SEC Country. I'm your host, Curtis Birch. On this edition of the podcast, I'm recording live from Portland, Oregon, location of the Nike Hoop Summit. Two Kentucky players are in the event. I'm currently in my old roommate's house. He lives out here in Portland. Say hi, Kevin. What's up, guys? That's Kevin. Um, <laughs> shout out to him for letting me spend a couple nights in his place. Uh, first thing, we did talk to Kyle tonight uh, via Telephone Interview. Uh, it's on a little different app, so the audio isn't 100% great, but everything is completely audible, so you should be able to hear everything. We talk about his story about Tyrese Maxey and about the guys that could still leave go GoPro.
1: Now joined by Kyle Tucker, SEC Country columnist, Beat writer, and Kyle, how about um, you guys had a pretty good day today? Joseph, our main man Joe Massado, had an awesome story about Maurice Corette and Lynn Bowden, and then you yeah. broke some news. Well yeah, let's, let's let's hype up Joe for one second before we get into uh, you know
2: basketball talk. That was an awesome story, wasn't it? It was really cool, and I uh, know Joe had been trying to track that down, and <clears throat> he drove up to Ohio to to get. Um, Maurice Claret at an event and, and turned into a really interesting story. I uh, thought it was good. He got, I think he got some stuff one-on-one with Ben Bowden and then also was able to finally, it took him a while, but get um, Bowden's mom. And, and a lot of good stuff about just his, you know, him coming up and uh, sort of the past that was similar, where, where he's similar to Maurice Claret from the same area near Youngstown. Um, you know, both just dynamics um sort of legendary high school players in the area that coaches around there say, you know, Bowden might be the best player since Corette in that area. Um, you know, but also in in I think high risk situations to have life uh derail them with with poor choices and obviously that happened with Corrett and Corette has become a mentor to Bowden uh in part because I think his mom Bowden's mom connected them. She wanted that guidance and, hey, you know, do this better, Um, you know, and and so that was really interesting, it was a really, really good long story if you want to get to know Len Bowden, Uh, crazy fact from that is he has 72 tattoos, which is wild, Um, but also that he knows what that says to people about him, that people will, because of where he's from and because of the tattoos and all that, that people will judge him and, and think a certain thing about him, but um, he doesn't, you know, want to be that guy. and uh, It was just a really, really, really good read, and Joe did a great job. Joe always does a great job, but that was a terrific
1: story. Joe's awesome. Be sure to be following him at Joe underscore Masato. Two S's, two T's, and read the Lynn Bowden piece. All right, Kyle, so let's get to your kind of story of the day. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, who, you know, if Kentucky fans that follow recruiting are probably familiar with that name. Calipari went and visited him, in Texas as soon as the evaluation period had opened up. Um, But there's a new angle to this story in him as a recruit.
2: Yeah, I talked to him today, and he uh, confirmed what I've been hearing, that he and Cal have been talking about him also uh, reclassifying from 2019 to 2018 and joining Kentucky this coming season, uh, which is the plan as well for Ashton Higgins, uh, who was, Ashton Higgins was the number one
3: point guard in the country in the class
2: of 2019 and Tyrese Maxey the number two point guard in the class of 2019 uh, and they could end up both at Kentucky reclassifying and at Kentucky in this coming fall
3: Uh, and oh by the way Kentucky
2: already has a five-star point guard uh, in Emmanuel Quickly in the class of 2018 already signed uh, plus another five-star guard Kelvin Johnson and a very borderline five-star almost five-star Guard, shooting guard in Tyler Hero, and a McDonald's All-American rising sophomore in Kwane Green, um, and Jamal Baker as well, a uh, top 100 kid who sat out with injury last year. So that would be a ton of guards um, in Lexington. They would have the most loaded backcourt in America by far. And also just a really interesting situation. They would have three five-star freshman point guards and four total Five-star point guard, assuming Quade Green didn't transfer, and, and quite frankly, I think if they were to get if Hagen's and Maxey both reclassify and come this coming season, uh, it seems like it would be almost a foregone conclusion um, that Quade Green would leave because I, I don't see where he how he could see a role for himself. But um, you know, and that'll frustrate some people I think because they want some veteran leadership. Um, but. You know, it's a good problem to have. I guess if you're, if you want to look at it that way, to, for Calipari to try to figure out what to do with a, just a stack of five-star guards on his roster next season.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I, just thinking off the top of my head, John, I think you wrote it in your piece there that, you know, two, well, I guess what, what's it now been three years ago, where he started, you know, three five-star point guards technically all at the same time: sophomore Tyler Ulas, and freshman Isaiah Briscoe. And Jamal Murray, I think they were all listed as point guards, you know, as their high school position. But they he, he made goals for them on the team, so, you know, in theory it could all work out, and all those guys could get get time. But yeah, it, there would seem to be someone would have to be the odd man out in that situation. And I I personally love talking to Quad Green, so that would be t- I would not like that news, but I would understand his decision if that was ultimately what he did.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think he's involved anybody in, in this situation. Paul not wanting to just pile up as many five star guys as want to come play for him and, and you know, if you're quad A, you'd understand that as well. Um him you know, from his perspective, him wanting to go chase another opportunity. But maybe he'd stay because he's played off the ball this past season. He was he was seemed to be fine with playing, you know, giving up that primary point guard position and being more of a shooter off the ball. Uh, very good shooter, by the way. Um, you know, and it's interesting. It's, it's clear how much Cal Perry has talked to this kid about that, though. Tyrese Maxey, because he was just reeling these off the top of his head to me, like the times that Cal's had multiple five-star guards. And he's like, you know, and they had Tyler, they had uh, Tyler Ewles and the Harrison twins and Devin Booker. That's four five-star guards, uh, and they were really good then. You know, he makes that work, and, and I trust him to make that work and um you know he talked about how the um the practices would be like NBA practices and if that's the goal it would be a bunch of future NBA guys going at each other every day and they'd make each other better and um, that attitude certainly is the kind of attitude that you welcome to John Calperry. Um you know and I and I think I just think he likes the idea because these are not all just pure point guards, they're guys who have a skill set where they could play off the ball. Emmanuel Quickley is a really good shooter. Matsy's a good shooter. Hagan is more the pure point guard, I think, of that group. He'd be the guy who has the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, but I think, I think you could see a situation where they all play together and Cal liking the idea of whoever gets the ball on a, on a rebound, on a defensive rebound you know, in in transition, whoever gets the ball, that's the point guard and just go and push it. Uh, yeah. He likes the idea of being able to initiate the offense from anywhere on the floor. Um, you know, you could you could have the point guard start it off, or you could have, you know, either your wings if you're playing with those two guys at the point uh, at the wings. The other two, um, you know, you, they can start things. All those guys are pretty good size six three, six four point guards. Um, you know, Quan Green's probably listed at six he's probably a little less. He's probably five eleven, so he's small um you know, they'd they'd have good size at those other guard spots. And uh so it gives them it definitely would give them a lot of options. And offensively I think they would be a holy terror uh to have all those uh guards attacking screen guards.
3: Um
2: and that was I think a frustrating thing for this past season that they you know, other than Shea, who did they have who could really create yeah. offense for himself? Um and you know, in this situation, you have a, a heap of guys who can create offense for themselves.
1: What kind of game? You mentioned that you know maxi's a, a capable shooter. I mean, what else? You know, what are his strengths, and what, what does he continue to need to work on? If he ultimately reclassifies, and then, you know, I guess if he doesn't, that it would still work out okay for
2: Calipari. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be honest; I have no idea. I, I, I know very little about, excuse me, about Maxi's game. Um, other than, you know, what other people say about him. So I, I wouldn't uh, venture to, to offer a breakdown of it right now. Uh, just know that he's really highly thought of, highly regarded, that Kentucky really wants him, uh, likes him, uh, thinks he can play off the ball as well. Um, like I said, I think they feel like they have in those other guys, in Maxie and Quickly, obviously Kelvin Johnson and the other guards, guys that, that can play away from the ball, and even Quadi Green. Um, and then they have in Hagan's. Um, the, really attacking style point guard yeah. who's, who's going to be the guy that's got the ball in his hands. Uh, I he- had it made a reference to me this week uh, by someone connected to Kentucky's program that, that Calipari sees sort of visions of Bledsoe Wall, again, where you've got these two just stud guys that you make – most people wouldn't think they would both want to go to the same place and try to coexist, and he makes it work. Um. You know, there oh, so you can go all the way back to that, that first class, you know, that first group here at Kentucky where he utilized more than one elite point guard. Yeah, and, and the
1: immediately when you talk about Wall and Blood, so you're you're you people Kentucky fans probably jumped to the West Virginia game where they couldn't hit a jump shot because you know the guards that's where they were lacking.
2: Um with the incoming but they won't they have that in. issue. This, yeah. yeah, this is a different deal. I mean, John Wall was a terrible three-point shooter. Uh, Bledsoe wasn't great. A bunch of those guys weren't great. Um,
1: they were relying they on enough.
2: Darnell Dotson. <laughs> right. Yeah. You you would have a, it'd be a much different situation. I mean, you would have so many options, that if any one guy wasn't hitting shots, you just bring in the others. Yeah. Um, you know, don't don't discount the value of Jamal Baker, uh, who by all accounts was just a just shot-making fool when he was out there doing doing some of that stuff while he was rehabbing his knee, um, a really good three-point shooter. I think Tyler Hedo is going to be uh, a guy who, I don't know, will he play a ton as a pressman? I don't know, especially if this is the group they bring in. Um, but he's going to be a guy that if you get into trouble, uh, bring him in and he can get get a bucket. Um, you know, Emmanuel Quickly, I think, was around a 40% three-point shooter. And if quite A Green stays... Then you know. Then at that point, you have literally no concern about three-point shooting because you you have several guys who can knock them down. Kawhi Green had a stretch of like ten straight games where he had, I think, two made. It was like his that was like his thing. He would come in and make two threes in a game. I think we talked about that on a on a podcast. So you've got you've got that. um, If he does come back, you've got that insurance as well. I I just don't think that is going to be an issue uh guys to make shots. I mean even Kelden Johnson, he's not a great three point shooter, but he's got a good enough stroke and can make those, can knock them down. So um I, I don't I don't think that's an issue. Plus, if you know I think I mean this is very much still up in the air as well, but if Linny and Gabriel comes back, he's got a six foot nine power forward who shot fifty five percent over the last ten games of the season, uh, and made seven in a game in the SEC tournament. So I, I just I do not think Ultimately, whichever combination of guys does return and does come in, they're going to have plenty of. Uh, I, I do not think it's going to be an issue. They're going to have plenty of three-point shooting.
1: All right, let's let's wrap that up with you. Then with that winning Gabriel stuff, he posted a Instagram story picture of it's like two arrows pointing up two different paths, and they both lead to like this mountaintop. And then there's the the thinking emoji. So obviously that's kind of a metaphor i'm guessing <laughs> for his decision you know what's he going to do there was a report that his brother said that if he wasn't a first round pick he would come back he actually quote tweeted that report or a uh, aggregate of that report and said false so
2: <laughs> what are in your all capital, capital letters, letters yep. huh all false in all capital letters with an exclamation point <laughs> what yeah. are what what are you reading on him I don't. I don't think that's right. I, I, you know, it was a quote from the brother. Or it was a reference, to the brother, uh, William Gabriel's brother, saying that to the Herald Leader. I think Matt Jones sort of summarized that in a tweet, and William and said it was false in all capital letters. Um, and I don't think that's exactly right. And I actually posted a story last night, uh, talking to some sources yesterday, that he is very much considering a professional career, knowing that it might not be in the NBA at all. I mean, if he enters the draft, right now I don't think he gets drafted at all. Um, He's not ranked in the top 100 prospects on ESPN's 2018 draft uh, board. Um, You know, if he does get drafted, it's second round. I mean, there there is no way I can imagine that he becomes a first-round draft pick this year. Um, But he he may take the Isaiah Briscoe path, which is knowing that you're probably not going to get drafted – hoping you, if you declare that you will at least get a combine invite, which Briscoe did, uh, that you can try to impress or at least get on some radars at that combine, uh, which I'm not sure Briscoe necessarily did. I don't know that he helped himself. He did go undrafted, um, and he's playing overseas, and I think he was at peace with that going into it, knowing that it was the possibility that he wouldn't get drafted at all or if he did, it'd be late. Either way, his best-case scenario was probably the G League I would say that's where Winion Gabriel is, and he has got to decide if that's okay with him or if if you're going to toil for another year, if you're going to kind of grind for your dream for another year, would you rather do it at Kentucky on a national title contending team where they're going to lean on your leadership, where you can continue to work on your game? Uh, You you have to decide, okay, if I want to be a professional basketball player, can i improve can i improve my situation am i am i just what i am right now uh are the pros going to change their mind about me almost no matter what i do next year or you know we're going to just go ahead and go uh that's that's where he is that's where he's got to decide he's gotta decide what he's comfortable doing you know are you comfortable making you know 30,000 or whatever in the g league or 50,000 in estonia or, you know, whatever it is that's not gonna you know, be the NBA. That's what he's um trying to figure out. And you know, I think it's I think it's kind of a coin flip for him. I think he's probably more likely to go than, than uh PJ Washington maybe. Um and you know as I've wrote in the story I've been kinda of told that he and Washington and Jared Vanderbilt are all in a, in the same boat in the in that they all three would like to go. One source told me they, they all want to go. Uh, But can they go, you know, or where can they go? And, you know, they'll have to decide that. One person told me that it's close to the situation that they think two of the three probably come back. And I think Kentucky would take that. uh, I think Kentucky fans would have to be happy with that result. If two of the three of Jared Vanderbilt, P.J. Washington, and William Gabriel come back with all these guys coming in, uh, they're going to be fine, even if Quadri Green leaves. I think they'll be fine. They're better off if Green comes back and, and two of those forwards come back as well, because then they they're really have a nice veteran nucleus, and they have loads of young talent coming in. Um, but uh, that's that's kind of where that stands, I, you know. And I don't I don't know that a decision's coming imminently on from any of those three forwards. Um, they'll continue to probably try to gather some information, but. Um, It it may continue to be murky even after the deadline. They they may all three put their name in. P.J. already has. But they may all three ultimately put their name in without hiring an agent and see, okay, do I get a combine invite, Uh, and then Mm -hmm. go from there. All right, Kyle. Well, we
1: appreciate it. Everybody should be following you at Kyle Tucker underscore SEC.
2: Thank you, Curtis. Enjoy Portland. I will.
0: Thanks again to Kyle for joining the podcast. Now we're going to move on to a interview I got a chance to do with Keldon Johnson, who sat out the practice today because of the ankle injury, but he seemed like he was still possibly ready to go on Friday. How much have you got to maybe bond with a couple of the guys that you're going to be playing with next year at these events?
3: I'm, I pretty much know everybody that uh, you talking about, like is coming in Kentucky. Yeah, I pretty much know everybody that's coming in Kentucky. I either played with them or played against them, or I had some kind of relationship with them. Uh, but I mean, I think that uh, I mean, I think that we all get get along pretty well because everybody everybody knows each other. have you been kind of surprised, like waking up the past couple mornings, and each day <laughs> you guys got a new commit. Uh, I was really surprised on the EJ commit. Uh, I mean, I want to say I was I was surprised with Ashton, but I wasn't like that surprised because me and Ashton has talked before like about it but uh I mean I was really surprised with EJ because uh when I talked to him previously it was uh he had me going everywhere so what are you kind of looking forward to playing with him how will his game fit with the rest of you guys EJ that is definitely I mean he could could do it all he's another like he's 6'10, 6'11. he can handle a ball he can shoot he can post up he can do it all so I mean a great addition
0: do you expect to be playing with Ashton next year, or do you kind of have any idea? You say you talk to him quite
3: re- often. Uh, you guys have to see, I would say. I mean, I'm listening just like you guys are listening. We're going to have to see what's going on.
0: <laughs> um, a lot of Duke guys out there at the other All-Star games too. I think you're probably aware that's the first game next year. Yeah. How's, is, you guys are already kind of building that rivalry up a little, little bit. What's that going to be like?
3: Uh I mean, we just a little trash talking, you know. We are competitive, but uh, we just gonna have to go out there. We both gonna have us and Duke. We're gonna have to go out there and compete and see who wants it. Who wants it the baddest?
0: What do you just kind of like going back a little bit? What's it like being recruited by Kentucky overall, and then you know John Calipari specifically? Uh, a blessing,
3: a dream come true, but uh. Definitely, I'll say more of a blessing that uh, being able to be recruited by such a great program like that and a great coach.
0: What's he kind of? What's he do when he comes into your house or comes into your gym? Like, what's it? What's that
3: experience like? Uh, I mean, of course, it's a good experience, but it's not like it's not like out of ordinary. I mean, it's just he respects me, I respect him. How you doing, Coach Kyle? And things like that. It's nothing like crazy. I would say.
0: What do you kind of expect to from your? uh game next year you, you kind of see yourself as a three
3: wing or what position are you kind of ready to play uh i'll say whatever position coach kyle needs for me to play that's the position i play and uh we just go from there
0: talk about the recruits that are signing up and committing how much are you looking forward to that
3: competition and practice every day definitely i mean to be the best you gotta play against the best and compete against the best every day so uh, i can't wait to be able to compete against them every day
0: what do you think about you know some of the other SEC guys that you've been been practicing with in these events? You know, got a guy from that's going to Vandy out here. The SEC's kind of you know not been a top basketball conference at a good leader last year, but what do you see from the talent coming in next year to the conference?
3: Uh, definitely, uh, I mean, we definitely we are building up. We got a lot of great players that's coming into the SEC, and uh, man, we just put everybody on notice. And, I mean, I just feel like we had to compete every day. I kind of got over here a little bit late, but your ankle, what's the kind
0: of latest on that? I saw you go through warm-ups and then, you know, just kind of stretch it out after the practice got started.
3: Uh, just being cautious. Uh, I mean, don't want to overdo it too early, but uh, I think you'll see a lot more movement tomorrow. You think you're going to be able to play on in the, uh, this big actual game? Uh, I hope so. I mean. Of course, that's my plan. But uh, if I'm not ready, then I'll sit out.
0: Is there any one player you know that's committed, or that you think that it's you know said he's coming
3: back that you're kind of specifically excited to play with next year at Kentucky? I'm excited about everybody that's coming back. Or I mean, I don't have no specific player that I'm, I'm like excited for to come back. But whoever come back, I'm excited to have them on my team. And I'm even excited for the players that's leaving because, of course, they, they have a, a bright future ahead of them. What has been your
0: interaction with the fan base you know, via social media or just in any of these events?
3: Uh, it's definitely, I mean, Big Blue Nation. They treat you well, so I mean, it's definitely just it's a great experience.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Wildcat Country. Follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch B U R C H. It's the best way for you to keep tabs on me going forward. This is the second to last ever podcast that I'll be on this network so be sure to be following there to keep up with what I'm doing however and wherever you're listening go ahead and subscribe to this feed because there might be more thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you soon